Um, we're going to be starting in, bear with me for a couple more weeks, um, about, a, about eight weeks, um, the series called Soul Shift. Um, if you look, um, I know I, I can barely see it on the monitor back here, but you'll see the name and the author. There is a book out called Soul Shift. So this is all based on um, some of the stuff, of course, scripturally, of course, absolutely. Um, but some of the things go back to the book called Soul Shift. Um, it's a great thing because I, I look at it this way. Um, soul Shift, sometimes we, we think, soul, where, where are you headed, right? But you think about it. Has anybody ever asked you, how are things with your soul? Have you ever had somebody ask that at all? They've never ever talked about your soul, have they? Because what is it? How are you doing? That's kind of the general one, right? And, and if you want to get into it, you know, you know, we look at it, and some of the things we may hear is, is your heart right? Are you okay with God? How's your spiritual walk? Never, how are things with your soul? You know, hmm. This morning, I'm going to ask, how are things with your soul? Not your walk, not your heart, but with your soul. You know, and sometimes we really do confuse this question with, you know, how's your heart? Is your, are you right with God? Are you right here? Are you right with, you know, are you having a good relationship? Are you at peace? Most of those questions are, well, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm right with God, or yeah, I'm at peace, right? Those are yes or no questions. The thing of it is, is the question, how are things with your soul, is not just a yes or no question. It's a little bit bigger than that. You know, a lot bigger than that. So, how do we know? If you're going to ask me the question, tell me how I know, right? Well, here's some things. The place, we look, place to look is behind other questions we seldom ask. So, to find out how our soul is, we need to ask questions that, okay, Bear with me, these next several weeks are going to be some tough questions. One of which, what do I do when no one is looking? Hmm. What do you do when no one is looking? That's how things are going with your soul. What do I think when I stop at a red light and why do I think about that? Or, not even just so much a red light, the times you're just thinking. What are you thinking about? And why do I think about those things? What do I think about, or excuse me, how do I treat the people I live with? Ouch, right? We know how they sometimes treat us, right? 
but have we stopped and seen how we treat them? What is my greatest fear? I think some of the question, when you look at that, what's the greatest fear? And a lot of people, well, I'm, I'm afraid to die. Why should we be? As Christians, if our soul is right with God, why should we be scared to die? Because then we could spend eternity with God, right? But what is our fear? And why, why do we fear it? What do I want and what do I protect more than anything else in my life? Oh, some tough questions, aren't they? But it's really kind of starting to examine our soul and, and who we are and, and why we do it and what common denominator of everything, what, what is the common denominator of everything that I think is funny? I think of that and I think of, of jokes and I remember a gentleman that I first met and matter of fact my dad was was um, actually had introduced us and looked at him and said well you know this is my son he's a pastor first thing out of that guy's mouth you want to hear a dirty joke my dad just introduced me as a pastor and you just said, what? Hmm. Talk about an impression, right? <laughs> I could tell what he thought was funny. But what in this, what did, what do we think is funny? And what is, you know, at that common denominator? I mean, there's some things that are absolutely funny, and we absolutely know, do not know why. Right? I mean, there are some things that all of a sudden you just start laughing and everybody in the room starts laughing and you're kind of going, okay, what was so funny? But I just kind of got caught up in the laughter. Some days we need that, right? We need some good laughter. The idea is to ask ourselves deeper questions. It's not so... Bear with me, this is not going to be an easy time because we are going to ask some tough questions. But we need to. We've been through some tough times and instead of just avoiding these, we need to really look at where we are and who we are and whose we are. Because if you look at it over the last year, We've had some tough times that could have taken us away from our walk. And that's why I want us to really look at this and be, be serious with ourselves. We're going to ask some deeper questions and begin, and begin cl collecting the answers around key themes and emerge ourselves in a time of really just kind of self-discovery. Well, someone can be, and believe this or not, and, and we just read about it, didn't we? Someone can be a follower of Jesus and still not be minded or sold in the same way. 
We just read about that, didn't we? The disciples walked with Jesus and lived with Jesus, but didn't have the same mindset as Jesus, did they? Hmm. This explains how we have so many Christians living throughout the world and throughout our city and not changing the culture. It's because we have not become Christ-like and Christ-minded, Christ-souled. The problem is, is that it's not that these Christians are faking it or too silent. We hear that a lot, don't we? And with the, well, Christians, if we would just rise up. <laughs> the church is the sleeping giant, isn't it? And it's referred to as the sleeping giant. But they are following Jesus and still not oriented like him. Can you be a Christ follower and not be Christ-minded. Yeah, we can, can't we? That's some of the tough ones. Let's look at the disciples. You know, we're looking at Mark here, and according to Mark, the disciples left Galilee and were headed toward Jerusalem when Jesus told them again and again and again, and they still never ever got it all the time, did they? that the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. Meanwhile, they were, he was talking about this, this, that the Son of Man was going to be betrayed into men, and, and they're back-tagging along, arguing about who's better, who's the greatest. And Jesus is talking about something eternal, isn't he? And they're worried about, I'm stronger than you are. I'm better than you are. And I bet in that conversation you didn't hear Peter arguing for John, saying, oh, John's the strongest person. Peter probably was saying, oh, look at me. I'm the greatest, because look at what I've done. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look what I've... Did you kind of catch that? I. And they were arguing about it. Back and forth. And you know, Matthew didn't argue for Philip. They were all arguing for themselves, weren't they? I bet you go into any conversation where where you're talking about, well, I'm the greatest... And all these stories. Well, even Adam and Eve hid themselves and pleaded their own case because it was their nature. And who did they blame? Each other, didn't they? They didn't take the blame themselves. Well, that... God, that woman that you gave me, she made me do it. 
And who did Eve blame? The serpent. But it was a choice that she made, right? It was. And the thing of it is, is there's so many times that we can do this. We can be the saints and still sometimes argue about who's the best saint. Can you really do that? I've heard people actually argue, well, Saint so-and-so is the best saint, or Saint so-and-so... What? Well, I love how this the scripture continues on and it says Jesus sat a child down in the midst of them and said do this but they did not have the mind to do it just a little bit later Jesus was talking about his sacrifice to the world again when here it happens again right two disciples come up and say hey I got a favor to ask you I want to sit on your right, and I want to sit on your left. Because if you look at it, in those times, if you sat on the right, in the left of the king, you were something. You know, you really were. You held prestige if you sat on the right or the left. But they wanted to sit on the right and left in glory. And they, and if you look at it again in, in, that, in that setting... The right and left were positions of power. So they wanted to sit there. In both cases, the disciples following Jesus. And, and the worst part of it is, is you think about it, he's talked when he, and this always happens, after he's talked about something eternal, they go, oh, we're the greatest, or I'm the greatest, or hey, can I sit beside you in a, you know, in a position of power? Do you think that they just were wired different than Jesus? I think so. They were wired in a different way. They're on the same road, but had a different in different worlds. Jesus had a a mindset of eternity and holiness and glory and I hate to say it but I think the disciples were stuck in this world because they didn't understand everything they didn't wow they walked with Jesus throughout his ministry didn't they and the sad part of it is, is never completely understood Jesus. They needed, and the sad part of it is, is looking at these two examples, they needed to put the me down and go to you. If you notice, it says me to you. And that's exactly what we're talking about this morning is, is the disciples at this point were had this I, I, I mentality, didn't they? Even though they were walking with the Savior who was going to save them and who was a servant who was sacrificial, 
They didn't get it, did they? Martin Luther says this. He says that a man is born with his heart in... Excuse me. A man is born and he has core incurvious ad C, which I guess it means, and I like the English version of it, I can say that better. <laughs> it says, the meaning is, his heart is curved inward upon himself. Martin Luther says this. Martin Luther says we also have a genetic flaw towards self-centeredness. Watch a couple young kids playing together. They don't always like to share, do they? And they get a little bit upset. And, and I think of that because during Christmas, we happened to give one of our grandsons this car. And I think about it, it's kind of funny. But he, it's one of these ones you push a button and it starts going away from you. Boy, he does not like it when that thing moves away from him. Loves it when it's here, making all this noise for him. But when it starts to roll away, he doesn't like it. Boy, he didn't like that. Matter of fact, his dad called me the other day and said, you guys, I don't know about you guys with Christmas and toys and stuff. He said, you guys gave the noisiest toys. And he said, and especially that one. He said, because every time that he puts it down and it, it's a little truck that goes and, and drives away, every time it drives away from him, he gets upset. And of course, grandma and grandpa have to laugh because, you know, isn't that what grandpa and grandma are supposed to do, right? Give him those fun toys like that that make all the noise and, and, and drive mom and dad nuts because they drove us nuts. No, um, anyway. But you think about it. And even in that, because it's going away from him, and not coming to him, even as a little guy, it shows that inward curve, doesn't it? But he's, in saying that though too, is he is pretty, a pretty loving little boy. But it still shows some of that, some of that inwardness curve. That truck goes away from him He's afraid that it's not going to come back, and it's his toy. Hmm. They just don't understand. But here we go. Here are some symptoms that Martin Luther talks about. It says, when he talks about this, his heart is curved inward upon himself, and this genetic flaw called self-centeredness, and here are some of the symptoms. We have a critical spirit. We think our ideas are better than someone else's simply because they're our own. We all know people like that, don't we? Um, absolutely. We all know people who won't accept an idea unless it's theirs, right? Well, I think... Some soul shifting needs to happen, right? We look at ourselves first. Look at the group. Have you ever noticed and watched? When, they look at a, when we look at a group photograph, where am I? Oh, there I am. Oh, yeah, and then there's Joe and Henry and Fred. And 
But who do we look for first and usually in, in the photo if we're taking, if we're in it? Ourselves, don't we? We all do it. We want to make sure we didn't blink our eyes or our hair was standing up on end or, you know, you know those type things. We want to make sure we didn't look too bad. I think that's why we do it is because we want to look good. We want to show that. And that goes with the next one. We have a low self-esteem. We think our appearance or, or, or performance is lower than others in part because our standards for ourselves are higher. Sometimes we still need that, especially if we're looking and moving, moving our souls and moving our focus from us to others. We need to have that higher standard that we are going to do something for somebody else, don't we? We can't forgive ourselves. This one's tough. Why can't we forgive ourselves? We don't forgive ourselves even when God has forgiven us our own opinion is still more important. How many times do we go to God and, and, and have asked for forgiveness and then we go back to God, hey, remember when I really messed up? And God reminds us by saying, hey, no, I don't. Remember, I've, I've threw that into the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. It's washed under the blood. But we have a hard time dealing with that, don't we? We have a hard time saying, we know God took care of this. Because we didn't, right? We're competitive. Well, to win is to prove that we're a better person. Is it? Losing is insufferable because it defies the image we have of ourselves. Ouch. We talk about ourselves all the time. We dominate conversations. We talk over people. You know, wow. And here's a tough one. We hold grudges over things done to us, but most of the time, not because it was done to somebody else. Sometimes, but a lot of times because something was done to us. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be something done to us. Sometimes we hold grudges just because, just because. Jesus is different. Everything he does is for other people. You think about it, wasn't it? When he came to earth, it wasn't for him, was it? It was for you and I, right? From that other focused he really he's just really others 
always others focused. His heart was curved outward. When Jesus heard the disciples arguing about which one of them was the greatest, I bet he couldn't have been more disturbed. That kind of argument was completely foreign to his nature. Did you ever read in the Bible where Jesus said, well, I'm the Son of God. What about you? He never did that, did he? He says, I am the Son of God because he was. But it wasn't to show, look at me. Because if you look at it, if he wanted to, he could have came as his king and just came and destroyed everything. But he came as a baby and walked through life like you and I and always facing and doing things for others. Well, changing from me focus to you and others. Well, here's what we need to do. Here's a couple stages to look at so that we can take and start turning inward from inward curve, as Martin Luther says, to the outward curve. We need to wake up. We need a wake-up call. The moment when it first occurs that our whole life has resolved around ourselves. Hmm. I think of, it's kind of funny, I think of how watching our kids change as they get kids of their own some don't but some do to watch them from well it was all about me and playing my games and doing all of this because you know with boys that's all they want to do is you know sit there and play games they still do but I've also seen seen them start playing with their kids or putting up hey I think of of a you know <clears throat> one of them that well he wants to watch this so I'm not going to watch my store my show I'll wa- he can watch cartoons or he can do this or we'll do something with him and just watch how that has changed and how he started to change through that There's a moment along the way, some dramatic and some more subtle, that God will use to wake us up. It may be a smack alongside the face with a great big tube before, but yet it may be just a gentle push. He'll wake us up. When one of them happens to us, take a few moments and just absorb it. Take that time and okay, God, now you're, you're wanting me to get rid of this selfishness. Help me move to you. But help me do that. Well, here's how we can do it. We can start taking interest in others. 
Our days are sometimes like airports, you know, terminals used to be. And I say used to be because now it's altogether different, right? I remember my first time flying. My first time flying, the airport terminal I went to was Chicago O'Hare. If you've ever been there, it was wall-to-wall people. And my problem is, is, okay, you got this kid that's never flown, and they dropped me off at the front of Chicago O'Hare Airport. Oh, my. (laughs) It was crowded. People were going everywhere. They were... Dead, you know, they had to get to one end to another. <clears throat> I remember on that same flight flying into Minneapolis. And I flew into Minneapolis and I had 20 minutes to get from one end of Minneapolis airport to the other. I made it. Talk about weird is, is I get to the other end and I look out and think, okay, in Chicago, they had this great big thing that I walked into, and in Minneapolis initially coming out, they had it, you know, set, you walked right into the terminal, and I get down there and I'm looking and where's the plane? It was a little 15 passenger out on the <laughs> runway. Yeah, we'll just say, that was an interesting flight. The first one wasn't too bad for flying because it was just up and down. That little 15 passenger took a little bit. But I think about how full it was and how everybody was headed different directions. And, and you know, wow. And nobody, and the hustle and bustle in those, because of course you had... Like I had 20 minutes to get from one side to another. Wait until it's 20 minutes at the Denver airport and they have these shuttle trains taking you. Oh, we won't go there. But sometimes we just have to slow down. Sometimes like in an airport, we have to get where we need to get. But we need to slow down. Sometimes we get so involved in things that we just need to slow down, take a breath. Start befriending people who can't help you. Too often, I've heard, and the sad part of it is, is it's even included in the Army, I've heard people, well, I, befriend, I, I want to become a friend of theirs because they can help me. Have you heard that? I want to get to know them because they got money. I want to get to know them because they have status and they can move me up in the company. When's the last time you've befriended somebody purposely because they couldn't help you move up? Hmm. 
take an interest in the lives of people. Celebrate what they've done and what they've accomplished. Others. Not what I've done, but celebrate what they've done. What do I have? And one of the questions we need to ask is, what do I have that can help them? We're in the army, and that's what we should be doing, shouldn't we? What can we do to help the people that walk through our door? On a Sunday morning, honestly, I should be asking, what can I do to help you further your walk not look at how good of a preacher I am I'm not there's better preachers but I want to help you and I think that's what we need to do is we need to be willing to help each other and that's where we can move from the me the inward focused heart to an outward focused heart what do I have that can help you we can become a servant Ouch. Too often we want to be in charge, don't we? Ever been in one of those meetings? Too many meetings lately. But been in a meeting where everybody's in charge? Or, uh, well, maybe wants to be? Wait until you get into a meeting with all leaders. That can be interesting. That can be very interesting. We need to take an interest in people who are still... When we are taking an interest in people, we're still in charge because we can say, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that. But we need to decide who... At that point, we can decide who to help and how much to give them, etc. But we need to become a servant. Give up the right to be in charge. Make ourselves vulnerable. You look at Jesus during his, his, his ministry and his life on, on earth. He never flat out made it like, well, I'm in charge. You need to do this. He was always a servant, wasn't he? Yeah, he said some things and taught that made some people realize, well, you know, look, you, know you look at all the Pharisees and, and some of the things that he did with them. But it was never, well, you, he said, here's where it is. And they realized that. We need to become a servant like Christ was a servant. We need to carry each other's burdens. Ever tried to lift a 100-pound bag of flour or something by yourself? <laughs> Is it easier if you lift that with two or three people? Or is it easier if you lift it with yourself, by yourself? I've always learned it's easier when we carry something heavy to lift with somebody else.
Well, there's a lot there. Wake up. Take interest in others. Become a servant and carry each other's burdens is how we start changing our inward heart to an outward heart like Christ. When you think of it, there's no greater evidence of me to you than this. When Jesus uttered the words from the cross, Father, forgive them. It wasn't, look what I'm doing. It was, Father, forgive them. Wherever we are in this shift, we need to ask God to help us through these stages, to help us get through this, and to take our inward heart as Martin Luther calls it, the heart that's curved inward upon ourselves and help us turn it around and be outward faced to others. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at this and as we explore your soul shift, changing our hearts from, from inward to outward, Father, may you guide us. Father, may we just take some time and examine our own souls this week. Father, I, I know it's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in a minute. It takes some time. Father, help us look at this and help us through these stages. And Father, if we're in the wake up, that we need to wake up and <clears throat> realize that our lives don't arise. Resolve, revolve around ourselves. Father, help us through that. Father, I think that's the toughest stage. Another one is, of course, becoming a servant because we want to be in charge. But, Father, we know that when Jesus came, he came as a servant. Father, may we be more like Jesus. And Father, if we need to surrender something, help us do that. Help us surrender it so that we can start this move from me to you. Father, we love you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and precious name. Amen. As we sing together this last one, it's really it's a song called I Surrender. If there's something you need to surrender, maybe today's the day to do it. Take some time, look at it. Maybe it's this week. Maybe God's going to lay something upon your heart this week. And all of a sudden it's going to come across I Surrender. If that's what you need to do, surrender, surrender it to the Father.